This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 99.9 KISW. This is the Beard from Metal Shop, and I'm hanging out with the dudes from Foes. Say hi, guys. Yo, yo, How's yo, yo. Hey, what's going on? Go around the room, introduce yourselves, say who you are and what you do in the band. Uh, my name's Micah. I do vocals. I'm Sonny. I play guitar. I'm Baby Beatus. I do that bass thumping. And I'm Garrett, and I play the drums. So let's jump in. How did you guys form? What's the What's the history of Foes? Oh, man. The history of Foes. Uh, it goes back about six years. I think Sonny and I started when we were in another project, dicking around with some Cro-Magnon hardcore stuff at yeah, the time. Jamming in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, we had this drum set that was covered in duct tape <laughs> and like we call it, it was gorillas eat thrash browns at the time yeah. i think yeah. <laughs> and it like morphed into so many different things before it got to foes we were just playing like converge covers it's kind of whatever we wanted just to kind of figure out what we wanted to go for sound wise and then it just morphed into what it is now which is like i don't even really know how to explain it it's like every badass genre <laughs> formed into one like we've got yeah. the grind we've got the beat down we've got the hardcore we've got like even death metal aspects small technical know, aspects small technical definitely small technical aspects but like it's just everything rolled in it's a beefy crunchy five layer burrito bro Basically, if I took all my like favorite bands and threw them in a garbage disposal and then ate it, that would be foes. Awesome, awesome. That's a that's an apt description. (laughs) Bands in a garbage disposal. (laughs) That's very cool. So uh, I know you guys are from Bend, Oregon, fairly small town. Do you feel that being from a smaller music community helped influence your musical directions or kind of forced you into playing with other people with wider varieties of musical tastes than you would have otherwise? Well, it's, like, pretty constricted there. So, like, the whole scene is pretty incestuous. Like, our our bass player, Baby Betus, <laughs> he's in, like, six bands. So there's not a lot to choose from. I but... am the music scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, me and Garrett have been playing music together for probably 12 years almost. Yeah. <laughs> throughout multiple different bands. Every band's been way different. This band here is more or less us not focusing on a genre of music and just trying to just play what we want to play. Yeah. And not worrying about how it sounds, I guess, you know. Do you feel like not focusing on one genre versus another has kind of freed you up musically to write some cooler stuff? Yeah, we all have such different tastes in music that I think that really impacts the sound a lot. And that's also like a benefit for us being out in band and having like a real strong but smaller underground music community is like we all know each other you know we all know each other but we were all we all grew up with a variety of musical tastes and then you know finally coming together and like being able to just like combine everything to what it is now into foes like there is no restrictions you know it's just we literally have taken everything that we've listened to and learned and taken influence on and then just like started throwing it all together in one big old potluck and it's just worked great it's it's worked excellent i think Sure. Five years of sitting in the garage 
Yep. <laughs> That's before, what it'll do to you, well, kids. Before showing yeah, anyone it was, anything. It was funny, too, because Garrett and Sonny had been together with a different vocalist and a different bass player at the time for probably, what, two years? A little over a year and a half. Close yeah, to that. Half. And I was working down on a farm, and one day I was visiting Ben, and Garrett was like, hey, dude, you want to, like, do vocals in a band? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I was driving up one week a month from way down in southern Oregon, coming up doing a practice so it was a pretty slow process to get our first chunk of music together even really going yeah the first yeah. the first whole thing we had together was basically micah come down and record the album and we did everything yeah, i right wrote there. lyrics on a typewriter and then got into the sound booth <laughs> yeah, for 10 songs yeah <laughs> that's awesome let's delve in a little bit more about what your songwriting process is like i mean i i know there's a lot of travel involved because some of you live in different places so yeah. who's uh who's the guy coming up with the riffs and you know is it a collaborative effort and or how how's that work take me through the process of a faux song from start to finish basically i'm sitting in my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> and i write like one riff i don't try to fo- i don't try to write a song or try to write you know more than one or two riffs and then i present them to garrett when we get together with you know and he's on drums and then we just we play that and then we just see what kind of naturally flows out of it and and maybe what he's thinking you know what he wants to do with it yeah. we usually start just with a basic rhythm and it might be one thing, and then that we just build off of that one riff. Sometimes throughout a whole song, it's based off of just one riff. Right. You know, as and then we just... I, as soon as I hear the riff, I hear, like, ten other riffs. Yeah. It's a very old-school, hardcore yeah. approach to songwriting, yeah. Yeah. is what I'm getting from you. Yeah. And we like to just mess up the rhythm whenever we can without getting too complicated, but we like to add in little weird things there to make it kind of... You know, mess with you a little bit when you're listening to it. You of know, course, you know what you're listening for. So you're paying attention to totally how the listener is going to be experiencing yeah. the music. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's definitely it's definitely an experience. We want our listeners to be captivated by the sounds yeah. flowing through their ears. It's like we, it's the control aspect. Like we want full <laughs> control over what's happening, and we don't want you to breathe until we want you to breathe, basically. Let's talk about how you got into heavy music. What was the light bulb moment? What, what was the journey? What, what was <laughs> a, and all musicians, everybody in heavy music has that one moment that they can be like, "Oh yeah, I heard this band or saw this artist, and that was that was it." So I want to hear about the light bulb moments. I can vividly recall exactly what it was for me. I was raised in the church, super super secular fearing kind of situation, so. I was basically only allowed to buy music from the Christian bookstore. And I went in and I saw this album and it was this band Ludacris, which would later become Norma Jean. And I remember they had this little uh, like sampling CD player. You could put headphones on. I put it in. It was the first time I'd ever heard guttural vocals yeah. or like someone just like actually screaming. And I was like, dude, what the fuck is this? And my mom's like, well, it's a Christian bookstore. So here you go. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> how it all started. You can't escape the metal, dude. <laughs> you can't escape the metal. And I mean, like looking back, it's kind of a funny way to be influenced because I feel like a lot of my friends, it was like things like Metallica and Slayer or even like starting off with like punk bands. And for me, the first time I ever heard anything like that was just this dude just like, Ugh! and I was like, I'm never listening to anything else. Like, this is this is it. I want to do this stuff. I think that's part of the importance of having bands that have that are kind of in circles like that. Like when you when you have Christian metal bands and things like that. I mean, those are gateway bands 
to people that otherwise wouldn't be exposed to that genre. Yeah, I mean, definitely. That I, would, I would say that, you know, if you looked at heavy metal as a hard drug, you know, that was my, like, first hit of weed experience. Right. You know, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's too, different. Metal like, is too right mellow to be whoa. weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say definitely, like, the reason that I got into heavy music was my dad, Mike. <laughs> You know, um, definitely like I remember him telling me stories of like taking me home from the hospital and, and the banging my head to the to the rhythm of um, Beneath the Remains from Sepultura, yeah, you know, yeah. and like but definitely like what you're saying, like that light bulb that came off hands down, dude, Judas Priest. I remember right. I remember sitting in the living room and dad had all of his old 80s cassettes going on and. Judas Priest screaming for vengeance came on and then we listened to that tape and then next it was defenders of the faith dude and and just like that 80s heavy metal is just really what got it into me you know and like he yeah. he's really the reason why I got into the heavier music like not only just always listening to it but he's been living that lifestyle for over 20 years playing shows doing shows putting on shows you know so yeah. it's just like a family business on my end but like death metal like, dude, Bolt Thrower and Sepultura. Hate me or not, dude. I don't care. Like, <laughs> straight up, man. Bolt Thrower and Sepultura, like, arise and beneath the remains. That's, like, that's when I think of my childhood in terms of, like, where I was at metal-wise and what really got me into it. Like, dude, I cry every time I hear Desperate Cry. Yeah. No joke. Like, that, that, that solo, dude, just, it, it brings a tear to my eyes. So, like, me, definitely, like, my dad definitely influenced the the metal lifestyle and the music and stuff but it started off with like the 80s heavy metal and then they turned into death metal and now that i'm an adult like i'll listen to whatever like i'm even in hip-hop bands now you know like yeah. i do whatever but definitely for me my light bulb moment was judas priest hands S down sonny let's hear from you man <laughs> so i can honestly say garrett probably agree with me on this one yeah. here new metal kind of got me into 100 percent yeah into heavy music uh, i think one of the first heavy albums i bought was a uh probably corn okay yeah you know? yeah, yeah. Wait, um, which which record was it uh had fall, follow the leader and life is peachy everybody had those Dude, records. for real like everybody had those albums i mean i grew up listening to a lot of classic rock with my parents uh which kind of i guess got me into like a heavier type of music they hated me as soon as i started listening to bands <laughs> like that <laughs> and then slipknot and from there i got into a lot of uh kind of metalcore bands um you know like unearth was a huge band that i listened to uh when i was younger and uh, it just kind of progressed from there i started getting into a lot heavier music a lot of death metal you know and hardcore music you know when we first started playing music obviously like a lot of guys, I was just jamming like Metallica riffs and stuff like yeah. that, you know. Then like Lamb of God and stuff. That's and then, how you'd meet the friends at like high school. You'd see totally doing like a guitar, yeah. and you're like, oh, you know. And I started jamming with other people and having other people show me their music, and that just opened up the gates to everything. Yeah. Right now, I have a very broad uh, spectrum of music. Yeah, jamming, I listen to everything. Jamming with other people definitely helped. Me, especially, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but, you know, like, jamming with other people definitely helps, like, broaden that spectrum. Just be like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to play that riff like that, or I wouldn't have thought to use that rhythmic pattern with my rhythmic pattern, you know? Like, right. that's what I love about Pound. Your drummer is playing four different beats at once behind the beef that you're writing, and it, it all fits together, dude. Yeah, yeah. It all fits together, yeah. Garrett's turn. Yeah, Garrett. 
I've Before I forget, though, I have to say, story. Bad Brains, Rock for Light was the other album. Dude, uh, I cannot, yeah. I cannot not say that. <laughs> the first time I heard Big Takeover, I think I punched a hole in my wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd have to say probably the same vein as Sonny. Like, I went over to my neighbor's house and. He had this video, and it was Slipknot, Wait and Bleed. And I was like, oh, my God. I was listening to, like, NSYNC and before this. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what the was going on. Yeah. And then it was downhill from there. I just, like, just rode the new metal wave all the way to metalcore and death metal. And then didn't get into hardcore until probably, like, five or six years ago. And then and now it's... Now it's like you trapped under ice and you were yeah, like, Dude, blew my mind. Yeah. yeah, blew my mind. And now it's like I can't get enough. Amazing. It's kind of cool that you all have such similar stories and experiences with gateway bands. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people like to dog on gateway bands and trash on them, but you know, without bands like that, the majority of the people making heavy music today wouldn't yeah. be making that music because you those have... bands were on our playlist coming oh, yeah. up here. Like, still. You, yeah. you can't. You can't just jump right into hard mode. No. Like, it, it just doesn't work well, yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like, we all started from somewhere, you know? Yeah. You got to have, like, your base, yeah. you know? And, yeah, dude. And what's funny is, like, our generation now, like, whenever we think of those gateway bands, I know, like, classic rock, you know? Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of us started was mm-hmm. just classic rock and then the 80s heavy hair metal stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I like to get down on my scorpions. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, and like <laughs> one of the one of the other things too is like when I was younger, when I first started getting into like punk and metal music, I didn't really have the internet, so yeah. I would just go to like Ranch Records, oh, dude, cassette tapes, and for just days. go to the metal section, and I would just be like, "Well, this cover looks brutal." I guess I'll buy this. And sometimes I hated the band, and other times I'd listen to that same album for like a month straight. Did you guys get super into compilations? I was way into compilations. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, that's yeah. how I found out about Himza. Yeah. yeah, was, that, yeah. was that Metal Underground DVD compilation? Shout that they out were to selling. John Pettibone. Yeah. Papa Pettibone, man. Yeah, Papa yeah. Pettibone. Yeah, dude. Same like, with, uh, E-tid. Yeah. Were Those were bed. some of the best Ben shows. When I was in high school, oh, yeah. it was Hinza. Yeah, Hinza. they were our favorite hands. I got down. to see him. I got to see him here at the El Corazon not too long ago for that benefit show for the guy. Yeah, uh, Ryan George. He, yeah, yeah. And me, my dad, my fiance, and my brother, we all went to that show, and it was dude, it was amazing because it'd been it had been like over ten years since I'd seen Hinza mm-hmm. yeah. last time, and so that, they that were in Bend oh yeah, the, when they were in Bend last, yeah. Oh man, it was great. <laughs> we're old, but we're still young, you know. They call me a uh, little old youngin. A <laughs> little old. <young. laughs> So uh, let's talk about this current tour that you guys ha- are on right now. Yeah, what's, what's going on with that? How did Denim that come diaper to be? Daddy's tour. Denim diaper Denim daddies. Diaper daddies. We'll tour. just say day one was amazing. Uh, our singer Micah full on took a Chuck Norris to the face. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was about to say that's quite the shiner you got there, man. Yeah, that was our our buddy Adam. He's a he's a bigger guy with some heavy legs and a very hard kick. And uh, I was coming into you know the downward swing of a headbang and I just took the foot right to my face. Did a Mortal (laughs) Kombat wobble. Oh, dude, I I definitely, like, I looked like an MMA fighter about to get dropped for a second. (laughs) But uh, it happens every time we go on tour. The last time I got punched in the mouth at our first show and had a split lip that looked disgusting for the entire rest of the tour. It's tradition. So is that going to be a thing at every stop on the tour? You just get kicked in the face? I feel like it's like a bloodletting, you know? It's like, uh, our singer has to, like, sacrifice a body part so that, like, the rest of the tour doesn't suck. I I don't know. (laughs) We need to make a sacrifice to the gods. (laughs) There you go. Foe's tradition. No, yeah. it's it's been a great tour, even though we're only like three days in, you know, so it just started for us. But like it's it's been fun. Been nothing but laughs. Yeah. Been nothing but good times, Huge. good vibes. 
So the, <coughs> rest, the rest of the band, the main headliner and who we're supporting is Steak Sauce Mustache, and they're Brett, the guitar player, and Taylor, and Joey, and, and Eric. They're all our really good friends, and they invited us along. So we kind of popped in a week late, but there's still a week left, and we're just we're there to support their <coughs> new yeah. album, Super Woke. Yeah, and honestly, being on tour with those guys is such a privilege because, I mean, if you haven't seen them live, it's like they're the band you don't ever want to play after because yeah. you cannot beat their live show. It, like, <laughs> you cannot. You can't because it's like a spiritual experience. Like you watch these like people with their arms crossed in the back of the room and out of nowhere they're running around like popping balloons on strangers. It's Yeah. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Oh yeah, and the gimmick—the gimmick that we got for this this run since we've been on the road with them—it's been great because they have that, they have that toilet roll leaf blower gun mm. deal, and there's a certain spot in the set where they they no more wipey my diapy is yeah, what they're yeah, chanting, yeah. and, the, <laughs> oh, and yeah. then the song kicks in, and I come running out with a baby mask and the the TP gun hooked up to a GoPro, and that gets the—I mean, last night that was it gets awesome. Them it gets, gets them going, going dude. You yeah. just got TP rolling everywhere. Huge but. shout out to Steak Sauce Mustache yeah. for real. No, so just a cool. shout out to you. I love making eye contract aggressively with your drummer <laughs> during your guys' set. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> like, he always, it's like he knows I'm doing it because he'll, like, turn his head and catch eye contact with me. Last night, he totally, like, started busting up laughing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So <laughs> I did miss a beat. <laughs> With that belly button tattoo, bro. <laughs> just that big old belly tattoo. Oh, man. No, it's been a great tour, man. It's just been, like, real easy going. Uh, the weather's been very decent. You know, luckily, it's been very decent. It's nothing but clear roads and just laughs and good time. It's a nice escape from reality for a little bit, you know. Yeah, feels like got, summer here. We all got days. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. It's nice to get out. Once again, we're talking to foes from Bend, Oregon. Let's uh, talk about the single a little bit. You guys have a new song out. Yes. Yeah. Okay, what's what's the lowdown? What's the deets? Free uh, of them. So the song is called Free of Them, and uh, it kind of just became one of those songs where, like, playing it live at shows and at practice, we were like, this would make a killer single. I think it, like, really shows exactly, like, what we're going for, but it's also just, like, in general, I'd, I'd say it's one of, like, I feel one of our heaviest songs. Boy, that you know? song in general, that's one of the only songs in our set that doesn't cater towards any side of the genres that we have. It explores it all. You've got, like, that opening riff is a technical, you know, grindy, and then we go into, like, the, the groove, and then it gets down mm-hmm. into the, the beat down, you know, breakdown and all that stuff, and, so. And by the end, you almost have, like, a weird hip-hop stompy vibe going right exactly but yeah like that song it it caters to every genre it just it gives you the lowdown of what foes is about and the music video especially i really enjoyed making the music video for which that. was also once again i mean the guys in steak sauce helped us put that together i mean taylor came up and filmed it and edited it because you know it's it's taylor so not only does he run around in a leotard and act like a lunatic but he's in like another band he's super into like videography and art and i mean the guy is an all-around just creative person and i mean yeah i, I don't know 
yeah, they've helped would, us out so much with stuff, and I feel like if it wasn't for them, we definitely wouldn't have some of the things going that we do. You would never know that he's like the nicest guy ever. No, because <laughs> you he haven't seen him. Looks off like stage. a circus performer on stage. Yeah, he's absolutely. He, he looks like a circus. Yeah. He is a circus. He is, on a, stage. he is the embodiment of chaos. And, and then, then you like, talk to him off stage, and he's just like, "Oh, hi, hey guys. Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, this new song, especially, um, so it's up on all streaming platforms uh big shout out to hardcore worldwide for for putting it out on on their website and and so on and so forth and like i think it's only been three four days now and we've already got like over two thousand views 2, on it you know is, i mean i guess to a lot of people that sounds really small but for like for a, a small of, town for, oh, band, no, you, you yeah. know like for you, a bunch of local boys from bend oregon to even have like something because i mean i've been watching videos from hardcore worldwide yeah. for like Ever. Oh, yeah. You're grateful if you get 100 views. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. so it's just like, like, wow, 100 people like, checked out my band. Like, yeah, I can hardly believe cool. the amount of support we've gotten off of just releasing this a couple of days ago. And people yeah. are blowing it up. It's getting shared all over through our small community. But it really means a lot. So thanks, yeah. everybody. It's like, it's a little, like, I don't know. Uh, humbling. It's humbling. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you play music. Obviously, you have those days where you're just like, oh, man, we up that whole set or like we're just not on par with like the game that other bands we play with are and so like to have this much support is just like it's really keep like pushing us forward not just as a band but i would say as like people being more motivated about the music we're playing it's putting the kindling back on that fire yeah. <laughs> Keeping the stoke high. Totally. It's like we took a giant dump and then this thing, people just loved it for some reason. Micah, I, I kind of want to dig into what your lyrics are about, man. I mean, you're, you're a very animated performer. When you play live, there's a presence and there's some serious passion there. And so uh, um, you have some, yeah. some really good things to say on stage. So I, I want to, I really so, want to dig in. I mean, I like to have lyrics where for like me or like, I mean, these guys, I mean, they understand where exactly where I'm coming from, but I also like it to be for like a listener, somebody listening to the song, they can interpret various things out of it. So it's like, you know, it's not just fully directed at one issue, but the song free of them is kind of a, just a concept of like, I mean, all of us as people, we've, we've lost friends to uh, suicide or drug overdose mm. or, you know, just have friends who have drifted away due to like dealing with gnarly depression and stuff like that. So the song's kind of a, a level playing field of like just being a human and dealing with self reality. and reality and how it gets overbearing at times and that's like you know there's that one some part the one of the lyrics in the song is uh lift the hammer bow my head and like i wrote that because i went to work one day and i had just a week stressed out about a bunch of stuff and it's like well i got to lift the hammer and like you know you just put your head down and go to work so it's kind of a, a reach out of just accepting that like that is a normal thing that people go through and uh that the end lyric is a uh, remind yourself it's a short walk to the edge mm -hmm. because it is it does not take too many steps to get from functional human being to edge of a building or you know so yeah i mean that's kind of just where it's at so i i guess it's doing vocals has always been a vent for me of like how i'm feeling about things so I like to visualize doing vocals that that way. It's like, oh, this is all the stuff weighing on my mind, and I'm just going to like vomit it like, as aggressively as possible and get it out of me. Like, we want people to connect with the lyrics in the way that, like, dude, life is you know, but we're all here to have a good time. We're all here to survive. We're all here to live. And we're all in the same boat. We are literally on the same boat. You know, like we're we're all here together, and like it's reality gets tough, but you gotta have that inner strength to push past yeah. it. And we're all here together, and we're all here for each other in order to do that. And I know me especially, whenever I help write lyrics or a lot of the lyrics that we have for foes, you know, it's like very reality based, and and like 
what's in the back of everyone's mind, but no one wants to come forth and say it because we all have that standard of like. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's just one of the things that appealed to me about punk rock and metal in the first place was just this like full blown honesty. Yeah, nobody uh, likes to talk about when they're like gonna die or when yeah, you feel or, like you want to die or the fact so, that there's like police brutality or suicides or anything like that. But like, I mean, you don't talk about it, you still think about it. Yeah, so Sometimes I like to scream like about it. All you can think about. So <laughs> this is the way that we get it out. Yeah, and and also not only like what Garrett said, not only the way that we get it out, but also the way to let people know that you're not alone. We're going through the same. <laughs> we're we're all in this together, yeah. you know, and just kick that forty back and have a good time, you know. <laughs> we're all about just you know really having a good time and trying to escape the reality that we all exist in but yeah and i mean this living is a, good in a way to smaller do frozen frigid town with not too much culture really going on can mm. get really hard when you're an artistic person and you're like oh man i wish i could go do this and this and this but you can't so you kind of have to make it for yourself so it's definitely like a diy raw honesty kind of vibe yeah. for I me th- when i go into writing i think a part of that is the reason why so many good bands come from very small isolated towns because it's like well i play guitar i want to be in a band i want to be in a black metal band well there's no other guys that play black metal in town so but i can go make music with this drummer that's really into hardcore yeah and, yeah. and, and like you- my options are i can either a not be in a band or B, go be in a band with this guy that has some other influences. And, you know, I think that's why you end up with these really cool, very unique-sounding bands from a lot of really small towns. You know, it it kind of forces people to come together and create some new things because they're coming from different backgrounds and different influences. And there's just nobody around. Yeah, I mean, you even brought that up last time you were in band. You were like, every time we come to this town, we end up playing with some, like, random, crazy new band. Like, last time you guys were there, you played with Kronkmen. That band rules. Yeah, dude. That band so, is so cool. And yeah. They've been around forever. I was going to I was going to Cronkman shows when I was like fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like still they, around. Like and they're still as crazy good. As and ever. they're still as weird and they're generally nice dudes. Yeah. To pull down the uh the fourth wall a little bit here, my inbox is slammed on a weekly basis with bands that sound the same. Everybody's yeah. reinventing the wheel over and over again. And so whenever I hear a band that is doing something really unique and fresh and completely different. If I hear a band and I have a really hard time describing how they sound, I get really excited about that. (laughs) And most of the time when I come across bands like that, it's all in the small towns. Cronkman, I have no idea how to describe that band. It's like a combination of surf rock and uh-huh. punk and like spastic psychedelic Something experimental about them stuff. Something kind of reminds me of the Melvins. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, but it's, like, it's got some crunch crazy, in there. Like acid. Surf but they get vibe. heavy. Yeah. They get so heavy at parts. I mean, there's it, it's almost like a like a punk hard floor, hardcore influence here and there. It's it's wild man and yeah. like uh i think the last time we were in town we played with zarlock zarlock in the space yeah, yeah. yeah I dude, was at, yeah we played that, that show with you guys that those band was were, cool dude those guys were so sick and what's cool about those kids is they're literally just a bunch of skater kids from madras yeah. that uh, just think, like is it monkey yeah monkey plays monkey drums, right? yeah monkey, monkey plays owns, drums like, and one then... of the di like the diy skate shop in ben called soul skates yeah yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. Like, dude, no, they, those the, guys blew me away. The Total guitarist like, from that band came and saw us while we were down in Sacramento. Out of nowhere, I, I couldn't believe the guy walked in the door. But by far, one of my favorite performances that I've seen out of a local band like that. Dude. Th- such a cool project, and and that's the thing. That's why it's that's why it's really important for national acts to pay more attention to these small towns and like go through, take the time to hit them. 
because it, it really helps prop up the entire music scene. You know, a huge touring band comes through and plays in Seattle. Nobody cares. A huge touring band comes through and plays in Bend, Oregon. Oh, everyone's, everyone's coming after that show. And comes out of the woodwork to see those guys. And the entire local music scene gets a major boost that it yep. rides for months. Yep. Yeah, we all we ride that wave of excitement back to practice, and it makes us want to do more stuff. Exactly. Just like, yeah, pumps us up, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, like I was saying, I mean, growing up as a kid and not really having as much, I mean, it's so easy to find so much new music nowadays. Oh, you just so pop saturated. on like a playlist on Spotify or YouTube and you find 20 bands you've never heard of. Yeah. But well, for me growing up, it was those touring bands that would come through town. I'd be like, never heard this. I'm going to buy all your merch because now I'm obsessed with you. And yeah. like, I think that's, like you said, that's one of the reasons it's so important. It means more. For those bands to roll through smaller areas. like, And they just get bypassed. I mean, there's so many tours where like, you get Portland and Seattle, and then they're down in California. And it's like, well, yeah. you couldn't make it to any of those. Yeah. So when they hit Bend, we like really appreciate that. Well, that's why it's so important that bands in small towns get out and tour. Because now, you're ambassadors for your town. Yep. Yep. When you go out and you play shows at venues and you talk to the bookers and promoters, you tell them about your town. And you tell them how awesome it is and how people will come out and support it. And, yeah, you know, there it, are shows in it, Bend, Oregon. It all comes back through, man. <laughs> it's it's all It all goes back to what Brandon was saying about, you know, it's all interconnected. We're all in it together. So, you know, it's, it's really cool that you guys are going to be able to hopefully send some more stuff down to Bend. Yeah, and speak yeah. on that topic right there, just want to give a big shout out to mine and my dad's company, Coma Bookings and Promotion, and also Lovecraft Collective. They're a newer booking and promotions company out of Bend, Oregon, and they're they're starting to do some good stuff out of the Domino Room. Yeah. They they were the ones that set up your last show there. Yeah. Yeah. So a big shout out to those those companies right yeah. there for keeping the scene alive in Bend, Oregon for and sure. Garrett, the dude who does Lovecraft, really, really, really cares about the local scene and trying yeah. to get as many acts to come through as possible and i mean he posts all the time asking like what bands do you guys want to see because i'm going to try to get them here can't promise yeah. i will but i'm going to try it's all about that guarantee you know no. and it's it's really cool whenever you come across people that are that genuinely into it like willing to put in the work that it takes to make stuff happen in their small towns and you know it's cool when you can finally drag a band out from the other side of the country to play yeah. in your small town because you've been hounding them for years like it, it happens man and people you know? go buck wild over that dude look oh, at, like when despised icon rolled through bend yeah oh god i i that I was think the I first punched, time like, at least like, three people. Oh in the yeah, face that was like the first time I've legitimately gone like full eighteen-year-old roundhouse kicking cartwheel hardcore yeah. mode in so long. Was uh, was Micah one of the people that you punched in the face? I know he gets punched in the face a lot. So. I have no idea. It was really dark in there, so it's probably. I do though. I get hit. It's so all a blur. Much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, before uh, I let you guys get out of here, um, there's one last question that we always like to ask. And I know one of you guys is going to knock this out of the park. This is the scar question. Uh-oh. Pick a scar on your body. If you can show it to me without removing clothing and tell me how you got it. I'm going to go with Garrett's forehead. Yeah, I have a giant scar down the middle of my forehead. And uh, it was it's like a hard story to tell, but it's also funny. It was a couple days before my brother's funeral because he committed suicide. And that's another like whole theme around this band is the way that I can remove some of that from my life but I was like really f***ed up and uh, my friends and I went out to Denny's and uh, we were wasted we both ordered you know the lumberjack slam and <laughs> as he, you do when you go to Denny's of course and he only eats scrambled eggs and so the waiter arrives and I got fried eggs she switches the order around 
And he's like, hey, those are my eggs. And I'm like, no, they're my <laughs> eggs. And I scarf him down. <laughs> and then he's like, we're fighting after this. And I was like, yeah, we are fighting after this. <laughs> and so before we even leave the doorway, we start <laughs> full on brawling in the Denny's. <laughs> and like, eventually he grabs my legs and trips me. I fall to my knees and boom, slam my forehead directly into the door jam. And I'm just like burning blood from my forehead head wound yeah <laughs> oh man gnarly brawling eight, in the denny eight stitches later everything was fine i woke up and i went to the funeral that's, god that's my scar story all right that's a gnarly one <laughs> that that might be one of the top ones i've ever yeah, heard I, I don't know if wow. i can top that dude <laughs> that's impressive i mean i'm like doing construction and stuff like i mean i'm i'm covered in scars and whatnot and i think I think one of the funniest yeah, ones. You don't look like Harry Potter now. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Okay. There, <laughs> I, I think I think one of my most brutal scars that I had, um, that I have, it, it's on my. I, I'm wearing pants right now, so I can't pull it out. But it, it's on the top of my kneecap, and it was a razor blade cut. I was cutting some carpet, and and the knife slipped and went all the way in like i had fat poking out of this cut it was just squirting blood so you're tearing up some carpet and it just went all the way in. all went all the way in man just like totally messed me up and i didn't have anything to go to the hospital with or the er room with and so i went into my stepmom's purse and i grabbed a maxi pad because that's the only thing i could think of that would soak up the blood (laughs) and so we i'm like Hauling ass down to the ER station, like gushing blood into this maxi pad with this like one and a half inch, two inch deep cut in my leg, and and we get to the we get to the ER center. It was the fire hall down in Sun River, the fire station, yeah. and because they had paramedics there, and, and we tell them what's going on. Dudes just started laughing. They just started laughing because they couldn't get over the fact that I had a maxi pad. On my freaking knee, <laughs> gushing blood. Well, hey man, you know what they say? If it works, it works. It's not stupid. There you go, <laughs> right? But out of all the scars that I've got, I mean, like I've I've shot myself with a nail gun so many times, dude. So I mean, like my scar stories are kind of lame, especially in comparison yeah, to that. Never That's, brawled in a Denny's. Yeah, you, like, you, yeah. <laughs> foes, bro. Have you ever brawled in a Denny's? <laughs> Sonny, you got any good ones? Oh, no. <laughs> Baby face sunny. I've got, a, I've got a scar on the side of my face here from when I was a kid. I decided to, di- I had chicken pox, and I dug them out of my side of my face. Gnarly. You so would do that. I did. I dug them all the way out, and actually the first show. Uh, You've got some scars from those sweet three eyebrow yeah, rings you used to was, have back in high school. I was talking to a couple guys outside, and they're like, <laughs> like what's up with that, that, little, uh, those, that little scar on the side of your face? And I was like, well. You know, it's kind of stupid, but I just I dug some chicken pox out of my face after my mom told me not to itch them. I don't know why that's so gross to me. But yeah, that's it, pretty gnarly. Dude. It was. That's why, that's why it's still there. Uh, drug free and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. And then, uh, I, I mean, I have more scars than I can count because I've been skating since I was 11. So my elbows and knees are all multicolored. But uh and I work in a kitchen, so I have burns everywhere. And he got Chuck Norris in and the I face first Chuck day of the tour. <laughs> Dude, we're we're gonna take uh we're gonna take a picture of uh of your face from after you got hit and put it up on the website. Oh yeah. my that's, god, that's, like, that's gotta go but, on. Uh, got fresh picks. Yeah. Oh, also, you gotta I dove see the head first into a rock this summer down at the river. But I would have to say that out of all my scars, the best one just because I really should have gone and got stitches and just didn't care because being 
20 years old skater kid i was just like yeah it looked like a badass so uh <laughs> there was an alley jam in bend so a couple companies put on this like gnarly skate jam Sick. and uh me and my buddy alex blondie went at like eight o'clock in the morning because we wanted to get there early and uh we're like i don't remember what we were drinking and we were like smoked a bunch of weed i think probably we were pabst drink- or rainier it, no dude it was <laughs> i think we i was I think we were drinking a 40 of old english i think we were drinking brass yeah. monkeys oh yeah dude that'll get you there and nice. uh mm. it had rained a little bit and they had built this massive 18 foot wall ride ramp and uh i was like dude i'm gonna go try to do something on this and uh send it bro i slipped out and when i did i like rode down on my ass but my hand went under my butt this hand right here so i have it's right there on my palm but uh they hadn't put the second layer of masonite on so there's just this fat piece of like rusty sheet metal at the bottom oh, yeah. uh, and i remember i slid down and i got off my buddy alex was like oh and I was like, what? And I looked down. And like before I even felt pain, I was just like pouring blood out of my hand. And uh, one of the dudes who was putting it on owned a restaurant. It was like, oh, my God, don't sue me. So he like ran me into the back of this restaurant. There's like all these like Asian women working at the Thai food restaurant. And they're all just like staring at me. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and like he takes me over to like the first aid kit. I'm like, I'm already like half drunk and oh, yeah. stoned at this point. It's like not even 10 a.m. And uh, yeah, so he gets me like wrapped up and like with a gauze pad. And uh, yeah, so at the time there was this girl I was into, and I she was like, oh, I'm gonna come watch you skate. So I was like, well, obviously I'm still gonna skate now because you know guys are just geniuses. And uh, they had a mini ramp. And so I have a bandana tied around this flesh wound. I'm pounding Jaeger bombs out of a dude's hydro flask. And every single time I fell on the ramp, like blood just sprayed out of the bandana. So, like, people are skating this ramp. These are your role models. Blood is all over it. Yeah, so that's that's my scar story. So and that's how you got the nickname Hepatitis uh, Micah. Yeah. Hepatitis. The, best, the best part was I didn't – my mom was like, you need to go get a tetanus shot. And I waited like three days. I didn't know you like had to do it in a certain amount of time. So like my dad and me like roll over to like the emergency clinic like two – maybe it was two days afterwards. And the lady's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's too late. He, he looked at me when we get back in the car and he's like, lie to your mother. <laughs> you know, yeah, my, my, my kid fell down the skateboard wheelie board ramp here not too long ago and cut up his hand pretty bad on a piece of rusty metal. And I, I didn't think it was too big of a deal, but I figured yeah, we'd bring him in now. My dad's also the kind of dude who's like shot like you've done, like shoots a nail gun nail through his like thumb and just keeps working. Oh my God, day, dude. So. The first time I shot myself with a nail gun, it was this finger right here. You can still see the scar. And it went right into the knuckle, dude. And it just started squirting blood all on stain, finished trim and everything. Oh, so I'm like, freaking out so i wrap it up i had a show that week so i had to play drums with this busted ass finger and and then literally the next week after that shot myself in the same spot (laughs) with a nail gun dude and then a month after that i was putting on another piece of corner nail went through my thumb dude like you're really bad with the nail gun it was just like for two months, something was going wrong there, dude. Something was going Some wrong. So what energy. we're learning right now is that Foes is a band that does not learn from their mistakes. <laughs> this is this is a fact. This that is, is it's, 100% it's a fact. very, very true. We do bring TP on the road, though, so that is one mistake we learn from. Yeah, yeah. We, don't, Smart we don't like to poop ourselves. 
Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to <laughs> sit down, come up, and hang out with us for a little bit. Thank Appreciate you. It. you. Thank you, the beard. This. On any, the uh, K-I-S-W, right? Yeah, there you go. Hey. There you go. Any, uh, any uh, last-minute words for the uh, Pacific Northwest audience? Come out to our shows and come then to, uh, don't yeah, our try shows. not to get punched in the face. But you can try to punch Micah in the face or kick him in the Please face. Please kick Micah in the yeah. face. <laughs> Just I, I need to even out the other side. <laughs> right now I kind of look like a f***ed up human yin-yang. Dude, you, you got kind of a two-faced thing going on right now. Dude, really? Harvey I'm, two-faced, I'm Harvey dude. Harvey two-faced, Barry. No, I think me definitely, like, thank you. Thank thank all of you out there uh, supporting us and, and pushing us to go further and, and giving us the the drive to go further. And, and uh, yeah, just, just thank you. Thank you. I uh, read this really cool quote yesterday that uh, most successful artists are only successful because of their friends and the people who support them. So, uh, yeah, support local music. Support your friends. Buy their artwork. Support your local skate shops. Support your local bands. Support your local bearded radio host. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.